Chapter Twenty Two of How to Succeed or Stepping Stones to Fame and Fortune. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. How to Succeed or Stepping Stones to Fame and Fortune by Orison Sweat Marden. Chapter Twenty Two Moral Sunshine. I have gout asthma and seven other maladies but am otherwise very well sydney smith the inborn geniality of some people amounts to genius whipple this one sits shivering in fortune's smile taking his joy with baited doubtful breath this other gnawed by hunger all the while laughs in the teeth of death t b aldrich there is no real life but cheerful life addison next to the virtue the fun in this world is what we can least spare agnes strickland joy in one's work is the consummate tool phillips brooks joy is the mainspring in the whole of endless nature's calm rotation joy moves the dazzling wheels that roll in the great timepiece of creation schiller he is as stiff as a poker said a friend of a man who could never be coaxed or tempted to smile stiff as a poker exclaimed another why he would set an example to a poker even christians are not celebrated for entering into the joy of their lord we are told that pascal would not permit himself to be conscious of the relish of his food he prohibited all seasonings and spices however much he might wish for and need them and he actually died because he forced his diseased stomach to receive at each meal a certain amount of ailment neither more nor less whatever might be his appetite at the time or his utter want of appetite he wore a girdle armed with iron spikes which he was accustomed to drive in upon his body his fleshless ribs as often as he thought himself in need of such admonition he was annoyed and offended if any in his hearing might chance to say that they had just seen a beautiful woman he rebuked a mother who permitted her own children to give her their kisses toward a loving sister who devoted herself to his comfort he assumed an artificial harshness of manner for the express purpose as he acknowledged of revolting her sisterly affection and all this sprung from the simple principle that earthly enjoyment was inconsistent with religion we should fight against every influence which tends to depress the mind as we would against a temptation to crime a depressed mind prevents the free action of the diaphragm and the expansion of the chest it stops the secretions of the body interferes with the circulation of the blood in the brain and deranges the entire functions of the body scrofula and consumption often follow protracted depressions of mind that fateful murmur which is heard in the upper lobes of the lungs in the first stages of consumption often follows depressed spirits after some great misfortune or sorrow victims of suicide are almost always in a depressed state from exhausted vitality loss of nervous energy dyspepsia worry anxiety trouble or grief mirth is god's medicine says a wise writer everybody ought to bathe in it grim care moroseness anxiety all the rust of life ought to be scarred off by the oil of mirth it is better than emery every man ought to rub himself with it a man without mirth is like a wagon without springs in which one is caused disagreeably to jolt by every pebble over which it runs 
a man with mirth is like a chariot with springs in which one can ride over the roughest roads and scarcely feel anything but a pleasant rocking motion i have told you said southey of the spaniard who always put on spectacles when about to eat cherries in order that the fruit might look larger and more tempting in like manner i make the most of my enjoyments and though i do not cast my eyes away from my troubles i pack them in as a small compass as i can for myself and never let them annoy others we all know the power of good cheer to magnify everything travellers are told by the icelanders who live amid the cold and desolation of almost perpetual winter that iceland is the best land the sun shines upon you are on the shady side of seventy i expect was asked of an old man no was the reply i am on the sunny side for i am on the side nearest to glory a cheerful man is pre-eminently a useful man he does not cramp his mind nor take half views of men and things he knows that there is much misery but that misery need not be the rule of life he sees that in every state people may be cheerful the lambs skip birds sing and fly joyously puppies play kittens are full of joyance the whole air full of careering and rejoicing insects that everywhere the good outbalances the bad and that every evil has its compensating balm bishop fenelon is a delicious man said lord peterborough i had to run away from him to prevent his making me a christian hume the historian never said anything truer than to be happy the person must be cheerful and gay not gloomy and melancholy a propensity to hope and joy is real riches one to fear and sorrow real poverty dr johnson once remarked with his point and pith that the custom of looking on the bright side of every event was better than having a thousand pounds a year income but hume rated the value in dollars and cents of cheerfulness still higher he said he would rather have a cheerful disposition always inclined to look on the bright side of things than to be a master of an estate with ten thousand pounds a year we have not fulfilled every duty unless we have fulfilled that of being pleasant if a word or two will render a man happy said a frenchman he must be a wretch indeed who will not give it it is like lighting another man's candle with your own which loses none of its brilliancy by what the other gains the sensible young man in theory at least chooses for his wife one who will be able to keep his house to be the mother of sturdy children one who will of all things meet life's experiences with a sweet temper it is impossible to imagine a pleasant home with a cross wife mother or sister as its presiding genius and it is a rule with exceptions that good appetite and sound sleep induce amiability if with these advantages a girl or woman boy or man is still snappish or surly why it must be due to her or his total depravity some things she should not do she should not dose herself or study up her case or plunge suddenly into vigorous exercise moderation is a safe rule to begin with and indeed to keep on with moderation in study in work in exercise in everything except fresh air good simple food and sleep few people have too much of these the average girl at home can find no more sanitary gymnastics than in doing part of the lighter housework this sort of exercise has object and interest and use which raises it above mere drill add to this a merry romp with younger brothers and sisters a brisk daily walk 
the use of a few moments twice a day of dumbbells in a cool airy room and it is safe to predict a steady advance towards that ideal state of being in which we forget our bodies and just enjoy ourselves it is not work that kills men says beecher it is worry work is healthy you can hardly put more on a man than he can bear but worry is rust upon the blade it is not movement that destroys machinery but friction helen hunt says there is one sin which seems to be everywhere and by everybody is underestimated and quite too much overlooked in valuations of character it is the sin of fretting it is as common as air a speech so common that unless it rises above its usual monotone we do not even observe it watch any ordinary coming together of people and we see how many minutes it will be before somebody frets that is makes more or less complaint of something or other which probably everyone in the room or car or the street corner knew before and which most probably nobody can help why say anything about it it is cold it is hot it is wet it is dry somebody has broken an appointment ill cooked a meal stupidity or bad faith somewhere has resulted in discomfort there are plenty of things to fret about it is simply astonishing how much annoyance and discomfort may be found in the course of everyday living even of the simplest if one only keeps a sharp eye out on that side of things some people seem to be always hunting for deformities discords and shadows instead of beauty harmony and light we are born to trouble as sparks fly upward but even to the sparks flying upward in the blackest of smoke there is a blue sky above and the less time they waste on the road the sooner they will reach it fretting is all time wasted on the road about two things we should never fret that which we cannot help and that which we can help better to find one of your own faults than ten of your neighbours it is not the troubles of to-day but those of to-morrow and next week and next year that whiten our heads and wrinkle our faces every man we meet looks as if he'd gone out to borrow trouble with plenty of it on hand said a french lady driving in new york the pendulum of a certain clock began to calculate how often it would have to swing backward and forward in the week and the month to come and looking further into the future it made a calculation for a year etc the pendulum got frightened and stopped do one day's work at a time do not worry about the trouble of to-morrow most of the trouble in life is borrowed trouble which never actually comes as all healthy action physical intellectual and moral depends primarily on cheerfulness says e p whipple and as every duty whether it be to follow a plough or to die at the stake should be done in a cheerful spirit the exploration of the sources and conditions of this most vigorous exhilarating and creative of the virtues may be as useful as the exposition of any topic of science or system of prudential art christ the great teacher did not shut himself up with monks away from the temptation of the great world outside he taught no long-faced gloomy theology he taught the gospel of gladness and good cheer his doctrines are touched with the sunlight and flavoured with the flowers of the fields the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and happy romping children are in them true piety is cheerful as the day cranmer cheers his brother martyrs and latimer walks with a face shining with cheerfulness to the stake upholds his fellow spirits and seasons all his sermons with pleasant anecdotes 
"'Nothing will supply the want of sunshine to peaches,' said Emerson. "'And to make knowledge valuable, you must have the cheerfulness of wisdom.' In answer to the question, how shall we overcome temptation, a noted writer said, "'Cheerfulness is the first thing, cheerfulness is the second, and cheerfulness is the third. A habit of cheerfulness, enabling one to transmute apparent misfortunes into real blessings, is a fortune to a young man or young woman just crossing the threshold of active life. He who has formed a habit of looking at the bright, happy side of things, who sees the glory in the grass, the sunshine in the flowers, sermons in stones, and good in everything, has a great advantage over the chronic dyspeptic, who sees no good in anything. His habitual thought sculptures his face into beauty, and touches his manner with grace. We often forget that the priceless charm which will secure to us all of these desirable gifts is within our reach. It is the charm of a sunny temper, a talisman more potent than station, more precious than gold, more to be desired than fine rubies. It is an aroma whose fragrance fills the air with the odours of paradise. It is from these enthusiastic fellows, says an admirer, that you hear, what they fully believe, bless them, that all countries are beautiful, all dinners grand, all pictures superb, all mountains high, all women beautiful. When such a one has come back from his country trip, after a hard year's work, he has always found the cosiest of nooks, the cheapest houses, the best of landladies, the finest views, and the best dinners. But with the other the case is indeed altered. He has always been robbed. He has positively seen nothing. His landlady was a harpy. His bedroom was unhealthy, and the mutton was so tough that he could not get his teeth through it. He goes on to talk of the sun in his glory, says Isaac Walton. The fields, the meadows, the streams which they have seen, the birds which they have heard. He asks, what would the blind and deaf give to see and hear what they have seen? Of Lord Robert's sunshiny face, Rogers said, he always comes to breakfast like a man upon whom some sudden good fortune has fallen. But oh for the glorious spectacles worn by the good-natured man! Oh for those wondrous glasses, finer than the Claude Lorraine glass, which throws a sunlit view over everything, and makes the heart glad with little things, and thankful for small mercies. Such glasses had honest Isaac Walton, who, coming in from a fishing expedition on the River Lee, burst out in such grateful little talks as this. Let us, as we walk home under the cool shade of this honeysuckle hedge, mention some of the thoughts and joys that have possessed my soul since we two met, and that our present happiness may appear the greater, and we more thankful for it. I beg you to consider with me how many do at this very time lie under the torment of the gout or the toothache, and this we have been free from, and let me tell you that every misery I miss is a new blessing. The hypochondriac who nurses his spleen never looks forward cheerfully, but lounges in his invalid chair and croaks like a raven, foreboding woe. Ah, says he, you will never succeed, these things always fail. The thug of India, whose prayer is a homicide, and whose offering is the body of a victim, is melancholy. The Fijian, waiting to smash the skull of a victim and to prepare a bacola for his gods, is gloomy as fear and death. The melancholy of the Eastern Jews after their black fast, and the ill-temper of monks and nuns after their Fridays and Wednesdays, is very observable. It is the recompense which a proud nature takes out of the world 
for its selfish sacrifice. Melancholia is the black bile which the Greeks presumed overran and pervaded the bodies of such persons, and fasting does undoubtedly produce this. I once talked with a Roscrucian about the great secret, said Addison. He talked of it as a spirit that lived in an emerald and converted everything that was near it to the highest perfection. It gives lustre to the sun, said he, and water to the diamond. It irradiates every metal, and enriches lead with the property of gold. It brightens smoke into flame, flame into light, and light into glory. A single ray dissipates pain and care from the person on whom it falls. Then I found his great secret was content. My crown is in my heart, not on my head, not decked with diamonds and Indian stones, nor to be seen my crown is called content. A crown it is that seldom kings enjoy. Shakespeare. Yet with a heart that's ever kind, a gentle spirit gay, you've spring perennial in your mind, and round you make a may. Thackeray. End of chapter 22